Hi, I'm Raelle Bell. And I'm Liz Ware. And you're listening to That's Brilliant, a podcast by the American Lighting Association. Today, we're going to talk about getting involved and how an ALA member can get involved in ALA and how that's kind of related to civic responsibility and and, and <laughs> helping to, to get involved in the causes you care about. Yeah, I think it can get kind of lost in the shuffle sometimes that ALA, it relies on our members to lead the way for the programs that we're developing, the education and training that we provide, the regulations that we focus on. Yeah, the ALA staff is not the the driver between the priorities and the issues that ALA works on. That comes from members, and a lot of those are members who are working on committees who volunteer their time to tackle specific topics like education or showroom steering or marketing. And, and all these committees focus on a specific topic and help decide the path forward for ALA and and the industry. Exactly. And our guest today is someone who has had a huge impact on ALA through involvement in our committees and our board, as well as just by being an incredible resource for education Mm -hmm. and knowledge in the industry. His name is Clark Lindstone. He is the president and COO of Lamps Plus. He has been involved in the lighting industry for almost my entire life, believe it or not, (laughs) (laughs) although he has the spirit of someone much younger and is, (laughs) it's hard to believe. He served on ALA's board of governors as the chair and also as the chairman of the ALA government engagement committee and the ALA political action committee. So he has really had such an impact on the government engagement side of ALA. And we're going to dive into a little bit of what that means and why it's so important to the industry today in our conversation. It makes a difference. I don't think we generally think about the fact that every lighting product that we have in our homes is probably touched in some way by by regulation, by efficiency standards or fire standards or you know some kind of regulations. Every single product that you have is involved in this somehow. Right. And and therefore, all of our members should care because mm-hmm. that's every single part of the industry. In addition to, to going into all of his work with government engagement, Clark is going to provide some other really insightful snippets for us. We're going to talk to him about what he sees for the future in the industry, what he feels is important for showrooms to focus on to be successful because he has a lot of direct involvement in that and, and has mm-hmm. for many years. So I'm excited to hear what he has to say. I'm sure we'll all learn a lot and I'm looking forward to it. Before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Hinkley and Kitchler Lighting for their continued support. Welcome Clark. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you. It's great to be here. So you've been involved with ALA for quite some time. You've held many positions over your years. How did you first get involved? I first got involved in ALA. Uh, Dick Upton stopped by our, our showroom in Dallas and he asked for my help. He said there was a new issue that was coming up. Uh, there was proposed tariffs on chandeliers coming from Europe. And it was a res- as a result of the EU's tariffs on South uh, South or Central American bananas. 
And <laughs> I, I couldn't figure out what connection there could be between bananas and crystal chandeliers or any chandeliers from Europe. Europe. So he tried to explain and, and I quickly learned, you know, a little bit about, you know, what happens when you get into these sort of trade wars. And really the crux of it was that certain American corporations like uh, Dole had very significant interests and they were being blocked basically from exporting bananas from their plantations in, in Central America to Europe. Hmm. And so the U.S. was taking a, a very negative position on that. And so they came up with countervailing duties uh, on products coming from certain countries that they determined would have the most impact in changing the EU's policy. And so I worked with Dick for quite a while on that. Obviously, eventually the tariffs uh, uh, went away, but they were imposed or discussed for a while and going to be imposed. And uh, we were able to successfully see that that didn't happen because that would have that would have put a hundred percent tariff, or basically doubling the price hmm. of chandeliers coming from Europe. And at that time, a lot of chandeliers were coming from Spain and Italy, and this was before you know China uh, ever developed as a source for lighting. So that was really my introduction, if you will, to working with ALA and being part of ALA. So that leads me to my next question, Clark. You, you sort of covered it in a roundabout explanation by what you just told us, the story, but what is government engagement at ALA? Um, government engagement has really grown tremendously over the past 20 years that I've been involved with it. As government has, has gotten more and more aggressive in terms of finding ways to promote energy conservation, there's been a lot of activity and government engagement is just not about, say, energy efficiency. It's, it's about all aspects of the government impacting uh, the lighting industry. And that can be from the Consumer Product Safety Commission in terms of product recalls. Um, it can be at the state level, obviously, as, as well as federal. Canadian requirements are changing. It used to be that the lighting industry was pretty insulated from government involvement. And as time has gone on, uh, we have seen tremendous amount of government involvement. Some of it is energy conservation related, efficiency related. Um, some of it is just other issues. Like right now, um, there's something pending in, in California regarding packaging and the elimination of styrofoam. There is at the federal level, the electronic right to repair so that you as an individual have the ability to repair your electronic products. There are so many different regulations that at all levels have come to pass. I know in the past, there's been a podcast about dark sky. So what didn't seem to be issues 20 years ago, now there's all kinds of issues that ALA is making the membership aware of, which is very important. It flows through our education, so when there are new regulations, where there are new products to make sure that, you know, our membership knows what's going on. But I, I would say, I don't think anybody would have anticipated just how much involvement the government would have in the lighting industry 20 years ago, because it, it really didn't have very much. And, and, and that whole landscape has changed uh, tremendously. Mm -hmm. As as lighting gets more 
technologically advanced and more electronic in nature does that is that part of why there are more things to regulate there are more testing procedures to go through is that part of what's going on well i think the technology has really enabled tremendous advancements in energy efficiency and i think that's the big driver is how do we reduce the amount of electricity so that power plants don't have to be built etc and so the government has been fairly aggressive in in raising the requirements for products just recently there was a final ruling on, on ceiling fan regulations uh you know testing procedures there's a lot that the government wants to see happen that they will say wouldn't happen on its own from a technology point of view the technology keeps changing which i think represents a tremendous opportunity for ALA's membership invention of LED and the change in the LED technology we can create products with designs that were never possible before previously pretty much our products had had a a standard socket and you would screw in a light bulb and and you had to kind of deal with the aspects from a design point of view that incorporate that so you would have a shade you need a certain distance from the bulb so the shade you know wouldn't potentially catch on fire and you had to figure out how to design products now with LED you're seeing you know some amazing products in terms of, of chandeliers in terms of wall product in terms of table lamps desk lamps so i mean i think from from a design point of view it's really enabled us to do a lot but also it's put more burden because of the change on the ability of us as an industry to understand the changes and be able to effectively communicate that to consumers because this is something new they don't know it they don't specialize in lighting they don't know about color temperatures unless somebody explains it to them but the other side of the coin is i think that represents a tremendous opportunity for us as an industry in terms of what can we do so when somebody walks into a showroom that that experience is really creating a lot of value and building a relationship with that consumer. So they're coming on it could be a design need, it could be in the case I just mentioned in terms of like what's the right color temperature I should be looking for in, in LED. This is I'm just going to be in a closet and I'm going to be trying to match, you know, colors. You know, what do I need to do? And when we add value, that consumer is going to come back when they have another need. So I, I think on one hand it puts a little burden on us to educate ourselves, but more importantly it presents a tremendous opportunity for us to add value to the customer. And when we do that, that really I think is is the core of what makes going into a lighting showroom attractive to customers. Right. So you have a background directly in a lighting showroom. What are some of the tools and practices that you've seen work in in helping showroom staff become that resource and add that value? Um education. I mean, number 1, we utilize the ALA's training program. We want to have CLC people in our showrooms, but we do augment it. We we have weekly training on top of that. in terms of new products changes in the technology and so it could be a vendor specific educational update uh, mm-hmm. and we do that on a weekly basis so we're constantly training because if the experience is no different than sitting at home and being online that's going to be tough for that show to ultimately be successful so we have to say what differentiates that experience and mm-hmm. 
that's where ALA plays a very critical role because so much effort is put into education uh, by ALA. Yes, definitely it is. I want to go back a little bit to your government engagement work and talk about current issues you're working on. How do you approach it? I mean, is part of it just sitting down with government regulators? And I mean, I know sometimes it's you explaining what is and is not possible. Sometimes they'll come up with an idea for for something that the lighting manufacturers will have to, you know, figure out a way to do. Could you talk a little bit more about that process? Um, the way we kind of monitor things is we're on a lot of different mailing lists. Also, the credibility ALA has built up over time and the relationships that we built over time with the Department of Energy, with the California Energy Commission, with UL, with CSA, and other states to a lesser extent. Really, I think we kind of have a good sense of, of what's going on, the pulse of kind of where regulation is going. And then there's usually a very defined process you know, in terms of if they have hearings, if they have drafts that they put out of potential regulation asking for comments. I mean, we're very fortunate with having uh, Michael Weems. I mean, he spends all his time going through this stuff and mailing lists as well. But usually we start seeing things start to happen. And because of ALA's position, we usually have a seat at the table. Because even if we sometimes maybe aren't aware of something, sometimes we'll get calls from somebody at Department of Energy saying, you know, we're, we're looking at this and we're going to put something out and we'd like your input. But it's it's for energy related issues, it's pretty well defined in terms of getting that information. Some of the other government engagement issues that relate to, say, a small business, uh, you know, changes in taxes or maybe changes with the, uh, many of our members are sub-S corporations and it's a pass through to the, to the, uh, owners of that business, or as I mentioned earlier, packaging changes or, or things like that, that are not mm-hmm. directly lighting or energy related. We, we work with other trade organizations to, to help each other in terms of, of making ourselves aware of the issues so we can bring to bear our input and knowledge. Give an example. Um, one of the things that worked on earliest was a California issue they wanted to make sure that all portable lighting were energy efficient that were sold in the state of California. And that was a desire to you know, have California stand out as kind of a premier position in terms of energy efficiency. Mm-hmm. So uh, this was something that I saw as an issue as a retailer and as a manufacturer, because they were only going to allow dedicated sockets that would allow compact fluorescent only. This was a little bit before LED. So that would require all manufacturers to have product that would conform to California's requirements, as well as all the rest of the states that didn't have that requirement, that didn't want to have compact fluorescent table lamps. They maybe didn't like the, the light from the compact fluorescent or whatever. So when, you know, kind of presented an alternative, which later became known as, as a bulb in the box, there were hearings, California Energy Commission, and we kind of refocused it to say, the goal here is energy efficiency, right? Not to get so much into the design of the product. And so what if we put an energy efficient bulb in the box with that portable item, say table lamp? The vast majority of the time, the person will use the bulb that comes with the item. So you're going to get the energy efficiency, but it's not going to require manufacturers to have a California 
only product or two versions of the product, one that had the dedicated socket and one that had a standard socket. Because our products are all about aesthetics. It's how it fits into your home. You know, what's the style as well as the functionality of it. But but there's so much variety. I mean, if you walk around the Dallas market and see how many different lighting products there are, it's all about design. And so the idea that any manufacturer would do anything other than maybe take the top 10% of the products they sell and make two versions was going to be a, you know, a stretch. That really wasn't going to happen. So now you're saying that California wouldn't have the Californians wouldn't have the opportunity to get the product that fit best in their home from a design point of view because of this requirement. And so we talked to them and, and we said, and besides that, even if they didn't use that bulb in that specific product for some reason, they had a particular reason they were, you know, sewing or something like that, and they needed more light, you know, output than maybe that particular bulb would provide they'd probably use it somewhere else in their house. Mm -hmm. Now you're replacing an existing product in, in terms of their house and putting in an energy efficient light bulb. So that was ultimately what was adopted. And so mm -hmm. we never had to go as, as an industry through this process of creating specific products for a specific state, even though California obviously is a very popular state, it still wouldn't make sense. We'll get back to our conversation in just a minute, but first a message from our sponsors. This year, Hinkley is celebrating a century of style. That's 100 years in business. Hinkley is proud to be a fourth generation family company with the mission of providing customers with exceptional lighting and ceiling fan products. They understand the passion their customers feel for their homes and are dedicated to helping them realize their vision. Learn more about the company, including some incredible charity work they do at hinkley.com. Kitchler Lighting is more than just a lighting company. They're a bring people together company focused on strengthening and growing relationships. They're constantly innovating, creating on-trend designs, and delivering high quality product. Learn more and find inspiration and ideas at kitchler.com. It sounds like a lot of what you do as a government engagement committee and involved in government engagement is you take these ideas and, and maybe they're regulation, maybe they're just something to shift towards more energy efficient products. And you bring the perspective of a product manufacturer or a retail showroom and explain how that would, that regulation might have real life impact to consumers purchasing lighting products. That's absolutely correct. I mean, something I've said on many occasions, we are not in the energy business. There is no reason we would not want to promote energy efficiency, which would lower the operational cost of that product for a consumer. There's no, there's no gain in it. It doesn't make sense. And looking out for the environment, it's the right thing to do. But what we want to do is make sure that the solution is the right solution so that the customer is getting the best product that we and all the creative people we have in our industry, you know, taking you know those resources and put them to bear on this issue of how can we do this what is the best way to do this so when you sit down with regulators it's not necessarily adversarial that you are finding out ways that you can still design a useful beautiful lighting product that consumers will want but also keeping in mind the the requirements and the energy efficiency that the government is looking for. 
Absolutely. There is no reason that I can think of why anyone would want to create a product that is less energy efficient. It doesn't serve a purpose. So we have to really ask the question, knowing what the consumer is looking for and looking at how the product is used, what its functionality is, how can we make it as energy efficient and try to meet these ever-increasing goals of energy efficiency? And obviously, in the case of LED, the technology is continuing to improve. We're getting more uh, lumens per watt as the technology continues to improve. And so that will just naturally get incorporated in our products. No one is going to say, I want the older, less efficient LED. They're going to look at what the light output is. And if it saves X, you know, more watts than the previous, well, that's what they're going to use unless there's some, you know, un, you know, unusually high cost differential or something like that. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a lot about energy efficiency and obviously that plays a, a huge role in regulation, but um, what other topics do you maybe see coming in the future that people in the industry should be aware of, whether related to regulation and government engagement, or maybe it's it's something outside of that? Um, something that, that I'm kind of very excited about, I know we're just uh, working on this, and that's the Light and Health Initiative. That's something that, and, and we have a tremendous resource in Terry McGowan, but just how light and how it affects your circadian rhythm affects your health. Mm-hmm. And I think we are just at the very forefront of that. And so ALA is working with the uh, Health Resource Center at Mount Sinai to do research in this area. And I think that's another whole area that can open up for our industry uh, when we start talking to people about, you know, having better sleep. What is the right color temperature depending on the time of day um, so that it's less disruptive to your circadian rhythm? I think, again, this is all areas of opportunity because as it gets incorporated in products, let's say you have a desk lamp that you can adjust the color temperature as well as the brightness. These are all products that that are going to need to be explained to the consumer what the benefits of that type of product would be. And to me, it just keeps going back to added value that a retail showroom can provide to the customer. You can demonstrate it. I think I mean, e-commerce obviously has, has been a significant growing area, but it's never the same as actually being able to physically see the product, being able to interact with another human being, seeing their reaction, adjusting your comments based upon you know what they seem to be interested in, particular questions they have, et cetera. That is a relationship that is very hard to duplicate. It can be done to some extent. But I would always say that the face-to-face interaction should be the best interaction with a customer. So again, the more complex products become, the more areas that it involves in your your life, you're not just looking to read, but now you're talking about how you sleep and how it might be affecting health, I think are all tremendous opportunities for our industry and our association to really be at the forefront of that. So I'm very excited about this research that that we're embarking on because I, I'm, there's no question it, it will have an impact for the future. I completely agree. I'm so excited about that. I'm, I'm thrilled to see so many manufacturers jumping on board with that research and, and wanting to create products that fulfill the needs of circadian health. 
Okay. I want to shift a little bit to something fun. So <laughs> we spoke with Michael Weems, who is ALA's vice president of government engagement. And you guys obviously interact a lot. I know he leans on you as the chair of our government engagement committee. And he had some kind of fun questions that maybe touch a little bit on your personality and things that you like outside of lighting that we wanted to ask you. This is kind of in honor of your Lighting Hall of Fame induction, which is coming up next month, September at the ALA conference. First off, and this might be heavily influenced by Michael more than you, but what was your last glass of wine? Last glass of wine was a Merlot. A Merlot. And what was your favorite glass of wine? The tough one. (laughs) <laughs> I like different wines. So it kind of, it sort of depends on the <laughs> the circumstance or, or the meal. I would say generally I like, I lean towards heavier red wines like uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay. We'll make sure to have some, some stocked in Austin <laughs> for I you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so this one is coming from someone who doesn't really know exactly what this question means, but what will happen next? The Dodgers winning the World Series or the Rams winning the Super Bowl? Dodgers winning the World Series. They're they're on a great roll right now. I'm (laughs) I'm a big Dodger fan, and uh, we go to as many games as we can. I think they're looking good. I would say I think so, too, but truth be told, I I don't know. (laughs) This one's coming from me. I was wondering, because I think we've had some conversations in the past. Where is your favorite place that you've ever traveled? Favorite place from a just relaxation point of view is Hawaii. Uh, that that's the place we go to just to relax. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can I can get on board with that, and it's not too bad of a trip for you from the West Coast there. So it's perfect. And now, final one: What are you most excited about for ALA conference in September? I'm always excited about learning new things, and conference is great for that. Because there's always some things and it can come from, you know, Terry McGowan and engineering or just something I, I didn't know, but I can walk away and do something with when I when I get back home. That that to me is, you know, kind of the fun thing from a learning point of view. The other thing is just seeing people. I mean, I've obviously been in this industry for a long time. So I know a lot of people and it's almost like catching up with with old friends you haven't seen for for a little bit. And, and particularly with with COVID, you know, it's been a lot less interaction. And so it, it will be nice to be able to see people that I haven't seen for a little bit longer than I normally would. So I'm looking forward to catching up and, and seeing some old friends. Michael also wanted us to ask who your favorite ALA staff member was, but we don't want to disappoint him. So we won't ask you that question. <laughs> <laughs> could be him though. So you know, I mean, I mean, the problem is it's, it's a very, it's a very uh, uh, tight race there. <laughs> ALA has so many great people. It's, it would be a hard to, to select one would be the problem. So. Of course. <laughs> Well, thank you, Clark. Before we leave, I wanted to ask, do you have any advice for someone who is looking to be more involved in ALA or wants to know more about what ALA is doing? Absolutely. ALA is a great organization to become active in because it's it's all about the industry that you're in. So everything is relevant. So then it gets to be, okay, where do I think I can either add the most value or learn the most? So perfect example, engineering, 
you know, I'm really into product and learning about products and understanding what's going to be changing, what's, you know, coming in the future. Well, attending an engineering committee meeting, I mean, I do that all the time because I really want to know that. It may not be product tomorrow, but it's going to be product in the next couple of years. I like to know what that looks like. Education, there, there's so many educational opportunities. Um, you can be part of the education committee, but I think it's really kind of, I would say, what are your interests? Uh, what's important to you in terms of your business, your career? And then if you have a natural uh, affinity towards, say, marketing, well, you, you can learn a lot in terms of being part of our uh, binational and, and the publications that we're doing with, with Meredith and all that in terms of you might be learning about things that are really of interest to you. Because maybe you're not that familiar with how, you know, magazines work and ways to measure, measure reach when you have a, a magazine and, and how that goes into internet marketing and reaching customers in, in different ways and all the activities that we do, you know, how is that done? Who, who does it? And it's, it's great context to have. It's great knowledge to have. And then maybe some of that you can apply to your own business. So I think in everything I've done with ALA, I've always gotten back more in, in terms of my knowledge and understanding the, than the time that I put into it. So I've always, that, that's why I've been active all of these years is it's very rewarding. I, I like kind of the, the forward looking of what's happening with beyond government uh, regulation or engineering, or, or in this case, I mentioned also health, but I don't think there's a really a good other way to get that kind of information. And so ALA's is great and it really promotes our industry's position and it's great to be involved in it. It's great to have you involved. I obviously have not been with ALA the entire time that you've been involved with ALA, but in the eight plus years that I've been here, the impact that you've had has been huge. And I'm really, really happy to hear that you feel that you've gotten more out of it than you've put in because you've put a lot into it. <laughs> and I really believe that. Thank you so much for your time today and for the fascinating conversation. My pleasure. It's good to hear from Clark, but especially regarding his Hall of Fame induction, I think others might be better at talking about how important Clark has been to the industry. So for that, we have another guest today. It is Eric Jacobson, the president of ALA. Welcome, Eric. Glad to be here, Liz. So Eric, as Liz said, we just had a wonderful conversation with Clark, but as you know, he's not one to toot his own horn. So we wanted to bring you on to talk a little bit about the impact Clark has had on the industry and what his Lighting Hall of Fame induction means. Well, it's a very prestigious and special class of people that get inducted into the ALA Lighting Hall of Fame. And Clark is just the perfect example of somebody that if you're looking to ever want to be in the Hall of Fame to aspire to be, he gives, as you say, he gives more than he necessarily wants, um, <laughs> but he always does it with the industry in mind and how can we better the industry? That's his, that's his mindset. And so it's been so fun to work with him over the past 30 years and just admire the work that he's done to benefit the industry. Yeah. I know you've said before that he 
is really someone who is able to think beyond himself and his company and looks at the industry as a whole and the well-being and health of the lighting industry when he's helping with ALA and approaching government affairs and government engagement issues. And that's very important. I think most of the members that are in the Hall of Fame have that same ability. They see beyond what may be best for their company, but understand and can sit and make decisions based on what's best for the industry. And Clark's exemplified that in everything that he's done through his, you know, chairman of the board of ALA, his other committee involvement, as well as his current position as chair of our government engagement committee. So he will be inducted at the ALA conference in Austin this September on the 13th? Yes, the evening of Tuesday, September 13th, during our closing dinner, we'll have a ceremony and an induction into the Lighting Hall of Fame. And we're, we're so excited for that. And we hope that all of our listeners will join us. You can register to attend at alaconference.com. Can I say one other thing, Rael? Oh, yes, of course. I have one other big thought to share is that I don't think any one individual has given more to the lighting industry and ALA as Clark Linstone. He has been the most instrumental person that I can think of over the past 30 years that's really made a true difference. And he does it because he cares and he cares about this industry. So I'm so pleased to uh, be able to see him inducted into the Hall of Fame and wish him all the success in the world. Well, if that's not reason to join and, and to come see what it's all about, then I don't know what is. So I hope you'll join us. That's alaconference.com. So be sure and register. The conference goes from September 11th through the 13th. Thank you to our sponsors, Kitchler Lighting and Hankley. Stay brilliant. <laughs>